This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing industries of home health, hospice, and palliative care. Welcome to the Home Health Revealed podcast. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and I have Hannah Vale here. Hannah, what's right. up? Right. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's January. We made it. I know it. Barely. Through the ice. Yeah. You know how I like to uh, randomly find articles that uh, intrigue me? I do. So I found this article where a girlfriend stabbed her boyfriend 108 times and blamed it on marijuana. I don't think marijuana can be blamed for that. Ah, well, yeah, 108. So you think about that. And most people wonder, did, did he die? Absolutely. He, 108 times. He, he did not. He died. It. Yeah. But after she stabbed her boyfriend 108 times, she then stabbed her dog. It's like, what'd the dog do? Definitely yeah. definitely wasn't a golden doodle because you can't do that to a golden doodle. You couldn't do that to any dog. Well, there's some you probably could. No, no. But not a golden doodle. And then she stabbed herself several times, like 18 or something like that. Oh, gosh. So, okay. So think about this. This happened in 2018. It just now went to court, I guess. And uh, so imagine that this is what... 2018? That's six years later? Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, but so, all right. So let's let's just pretend you did this. Okay. You stabbed your I did it. your boyfriend. One hundred eight times. You stabbed your dog, and then you went ahead and stabbed yourself. Right. You're going to court. But I didn't die. You did not die, and and she she stabbed herself in, in the neck. Like you can see Yikes. pictures of all these these stab wounds. Now that's why I'm wearing a turtleneck today. Have you, have you ever tried to just bite yourself? No. You should try this real fast. You should try to bite yourself as hard as you can and see how far you can get. No. That should be a game that pe- people play. They probably do in like, junior you know, high or something. people do like the cold water plunge. Yeah. Um, Bite but, yourself. But anyway, it's it's a, it's actually really impossible. Well, yeah, because you can't. I tried it. You did? Yeah. Mm. And you can't, you can't do it very Recently? Well. Yeah. I, oh well, my. I mean, I was just thinking about this. And when so you I did was, the article? Yeah. So, but anyway, you're going to court. What do you think you're going to get? Going to the slammer, right? Yeah. I mean, you've killed somebody. You've killed the dog. I feel like people actually get in more trouble for brutality to animals than they do humans sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, they kind of took this case and they compared it to like a DUI. If you killed somebody in a DUI accident, right? Like you're going to prison. Yeah. You're going to jail. Sure. Yeah. She only got probation. What? She got two years probation and uh, like 100 hours community service. How? I have zero idea. All right. We need to talk to these people. So imagine that. 108 times you killed somebody. You blame it on marijuana. And you got to pick up trash. And and you got to, yeah, you just, you, two years probation and 100 hours community service. No prison time. Ugh. Now that's, to me, that's lucky for her. Lucky. Well, I mean, you I mean, I would be dead set that, okay, I'm, I'm, I got it. Yeah, just take me away. Yeah, I got to prepare for prison. You ever seen that movie with, uh, what's his name in it? Um, Woody Harrelson? Kevin, Kevin Hart. No, I just watched the movie with Woody Harrelson, though, where he has to coach the Friends basketball team. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Did you? Called Champions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's actually pretty good. All right, well, hey, we are... Um, we, got a, we got a pretty cool topic. Yeah, we do. A topic that we are really really stoked about. I just wanted to say stoked at the it's beginning, a, but it's a great word. Are you ready to crunch some numbers today? 
Yeah, so we're going to be talking about mastering RCM matrix in 2024. And through this conversation, we're going to talk about other things uh, like value-based purchasing. We're going to add some other stuff in here. Yeah, we are. Um, but before we get lost in our spreadsheets. Yeah, you know I love spreadsheets. I know you love spreadsheets. Let's remember. You give me a pivot table, I'm the happiest man in the world. Yes. Yeah. Pivot table and a coffee. That's it. Day that's made. All, that's all I need. Um, metrics are more than just numbers. They are really a compass that guides our agencies toward financial stability and sustainable growth. Just want to like throw it out there. No, I think that was good. Okay. That was, that was really good. All right. So we're going to talk about the top five RCM matrix that every home health hospice and palliative care agency needs to monitor closely in this year. Yep. In 2024, what is it you need to be successful and knowing that metrics are more than just numbers, you have got to be on top of these in order to make your 2024 successful, financially stable, and ready for growth. Yeah. So it's going to be no surprise. Number one, because this has always been my big one, is your DSO, your daily sales outstanding. DSO. DSO. So, you, so your cash is king conversation, right? Yep. So think of this as your efficiency champion. It tells you how quickly you're returning care into actual cash. Yep. Which at the end of the day is the lifeblood of every agency. And don't forget to drill down, Michael, monitor DSO by payer, by service types, just really to identify any areas where collections might be lagging. So targeting strategies you can work on to get paid faster, to get paid more consistently, really creating what we love to refer to, right, as... Da -da 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 predictable revenue there that was go. your key that yes that, that was, was your cue i was off i know <laughs> predictable even, revenue yeah you even gave me some music for that and i i, I didn't i, I know didn't, i didn't do well there. man all right next time well i'll give you another chance well you know so what's interesting about the dso is that we have a lot of conversations and so oh. part of the podcast the whole reason why we're doing this is to share information of what we see and what we hear commonly from other agency owners in our conversations correct and so when we, we talk to agency, you know, the, the question I get in a roundabout way is how did we get here? Yeah. And it's a very fair question. And, um, you know, they want to get out of this situation that they're in because they're losing revenue mm -hmm. and they can't, they can't find the core problem or problems that's leading to non-payment. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very, very common problem. Um, I would tell you that the majority of agencies that we talk to have some type of collections challenge, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they're trying to figure out how do we best approach it? How do we fix it? What do we need to do? And most commonly it comes down to that they don't have someone internally that um, really can, can navigate them through uh, because there's very little analytics that they can look at that really give them uh, a snapshot of, okay, here's where the problem is starting at. Mm -hmm. Now we always talk about intake, 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 and, yeah. and, that, and that's true, but there's also a lot of other areas that can go wrong that, you know, are real where agencies are really struggling saying, okay, well, I'm not getting paid. So what do we need to be doing? Um, yep. and so that's, that's a common problem because really it, you know, depending on the size of the agency, you know, if they got someone that's managing that for them, maybe one, maybe two people, um, those RCM people don't have anybody to go to. I mean, it can come down to my, just a payer. Yeah. Like you may have a particular payer that you consistently have trouble with. And insurance companies are becoming more and more of a challenge to number one, even get a hold of them, but number two, to get them to actually 
tell you what specifically you need to do to get this claim to pay. Right. And so that, that just creates more frustration. Um, but so going back to the DSO though, that is going to, especially Hannah, like you said, if you really take it by payer Mm -hmm. and you're looking at it, there's typically going to be around two to three, maybe four payers that are causing a lot of the pain. So the reason why you, you know, you calculate your, your entire DSO over all payers is say, okay, where are we really at? Then you want to break that down and say, okay, but, but by payer, where are we at in, Mm -hmm. in our DSO? Because then that'll really help you start to drill down. And then you have a, a point of reference to say, okay, this is where we need to start. We need to start with this particular payer. Now, what do you do from there? So what we what we always talk about is, you know, based off the system or systems that you're using, how are you tracking when, when you do, you know, submit a claim? How's that being tracked? Like, is it denying? Is it rejecting? Or is the claim clean and it's going to go through and it's just going to take a while to pay? When you figure out the top, you know, two to three payers, now you've got to break down and really look at, okay, of every claim we've submitted, even just, just pull 2023, what happened to that particular claim at the time of submission? From there, then you can start really navigating through. Uh, but you first got to identify it by the payer. Then you look at the payer and you say, okay, based off all the claims, start calculating the reasons why that claim did not pay uh, when it was supposed to pay. So it could be rejections, denials, it could be authorizations, it could be lack of information, it could be timely filing. Right. It, it can be a lot of things, but you need to then measure. So if you had, uh, let's say you build out, I don't know, 150 claims for this payer, you, you would have done more than that, but let's just say 150. Now you're going to look at it and say, okay, of the 150, what, what percentage was for this reason, what percentage for this reason, and so forth. From the reasons, then it can navigate you to either a department internally, mm-hmm. or it could navigate you to, you know, maybe a setup challenge. Right. So my my first place I would go there once I identified the payer, I would go back and revisit that contract, that agreement with that payer guidelines. And if your internal process is not following those, there's going to be a hang up. So you have to make sure that those are in in agreement. Yeah. And sometimes it's nothing. It it's not the RCM person's fault. It, there's just a setup that maybe they don't even know about. And so it can be, a, it can, it's a massive challenge, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you see a lot more agencies wanting to outsource because number one, it gives you a, a way to scale. Uh, number two is you've got a team that has probably been through it at one point in time and knows how to fix it. Um, so your DSO, again, very important. That's number one. You always want to be looking at your DSO. And then from there, really start tracking and just working your way through each particular payer to find out where, where those trouble, those problems are coming from. Right. So you can free up that valuable cash flow. We usually tell people that as far as DSO, a good average DSO is between 45 and 60 days. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you when we calculate, when we put in that net patient revenue, I like always get the good butterflies of like, how much can their cash flow be impacted? Because when you're just shaving off a little bit of time it's those metrics that add up. You can really impact the bottom line, what's in the bank account by quite a bit. I mean, every time we show someone the DSO calculator, we figure up their DSO. Mm-hmm. It is shocking that when we show them where it should be, how much more cash they'd have in their account. Yes. And that's cash that they could do whatever with. That's right. You know, it, it could be causing them not to have the growth that they could or that they need to have right now. Now, the enemy of reimbursement, mm-hmm. we call this the enemy. The enemy. Is the denial guy or gal. Should we say that it's a gal or guy? Oh, it's a guy for sure. Okay, probably. Yeah, so it, this is the enemy. So d- denials are definitely the roadblocks. On yep. your, if, you, if you think of a highway it, and, and you're, go, you're just 
streaming down that highway, and then all of a sudden, boom, you got a barrier right there. That's your denial, guys. Yep, that's, that's, that's your orange cone. That's the, Yeah, you don't want to see that. Nope. Um, and so you really want to aim for a denial rate of 5% or less. Yeah. Um, because every rejection claim cuts to the bottom line. Period. Sure does. It just delays your time in getting paid. And so you really got to have your RCM team that is preparing monthly and having conversations with you about here are the denials that we received this month, even if those denials have been fixed, right? Right. Because again, you see a lot of times they fix it on the back end, but they never fix it on the front end, right? So that's that's what we we define as insanity. But right. Gotta you gotta get involved. Yep. You've got to dig in to those common denial reasons, like you've said so many times, going line by line with this claim, this claim. Or adjustment types, right? If you're cons- uh, if you're seeing consistent adjustments having to be made, just identifying those patterns so that you can implement strategies for accurate coding, accurate documentation. I mean, prevention is really the key to getting paid as quickly as possible. That's that's correct. Now, your first pass acceptance rate. Now, as you know, everything's got an acronym, right? So this is your F PAR. Is that really an acronym? F, F-, F- I mean- PAR. I think if you take the, you know, the first pass acceptance rate, that equals your F par, right? First yeah. pass acceptance rate. So it measures the percentage of claims accepted by the payers without edits or corrections. So the, the, think of it as getting things right the first right, time. That's the prevention is key piece. So you want to shoot for 95% there as well. Fewer edits means faster reimbursements because you're not having to go back and change things. It's saving time. It's getting you, getting you money faster. You've got to do those pre-billing audits. And coding compliance tools are your best friends here. Invest in them, train your team, and watch your FPAR soar. The FPAR. I yeah. love it, right? <laughs> the FPAR, your first pass is acceptance rate. So four simple claim metrics like, you know, numbers of submitted claims, number of claims paid, and don't forget the unbilled. Yes. Another and- area that's often not looked at enough because, again, if it's not billed, right, then you can't get paid. Right. It's that missed revenue. Unbilled claims really represent that potential revenue, but it's sitting on the table. It's the meal in the middle that nobody has eaten yet. It's unclaimed. But if you can identify and address why something is not billed, you can get that on your plate. Right. So we've talked about the DSO. We've talked about your denial rate. We talked about your FPAR. Your FPAR. Right. Mm -hmm. Your FPAR. But if that's all you were looking at every day, your number of claims, your number of claims that have been billed, your number of claims that have been paid, and anything unbilled. If you are in a place where you're not starting to do some data analysis, start there. Simple. You can pull all those reports out of your EHR. Done. Yep. So the way we we like to look at this, and this is the way that I think is the best way to look at this, is that at the end of every month, you need to have a scorecard. And the scorecard is nothing more than your aging AR, because really that is the scorecard. And when you're looking at your aging AR, you, you have to look at everything in each particular bucket and you're looking at by each particular payer. That's where the conversation that when, as an agency owner or administrator, when you're meeting with your RCM team, they need to bring in the aging AR and, and then they, you, you need to have the conversation around, let's look at the scorecard. And the scorecard is the claims in each bucket and the amount of those claims. And yep. the value of those claims. And right? when you say buckets, yep. you're talking about date ranges. Yeah, 0 to 30, 31 to 60, right. 61, whatever. Just so want to clarify for anybody out there who doesn't know what our buckets are. Yeah, and I like colors. So what I say is your 0 to 60 bucket is going to be your green. Mm. Okay, so that's good. It's a right? go. It's a go. 
You're 61 to 90. This is this right here is where everybody needs to focus their attention in on is you're 61 to 90. Whatever's in that bucket, when you're having that end of the month meeting, you need to be very specific on what are you going to do in this next month mm -hmm. to get these claims in the 61 and 90 bucket paid. So if you think about it, if you have those conversations every month, so in that 60 to 91 bucket, let's say there's 300 claims. What I would do is I would tell my RCM people, person or people, is that of the 300 claims, you divide it by 21 working days, and that's how many claims I need you to touch per day. Mm -hmm. So what's that, just like 13, in, 14? Just in that one bucket to ensure that those claims don't continue to age. Yep. Because I believe you should have no more than 5% of your claims past 90 days, no more than 2.5% past 120 days. Right, because you got to have a 95% F par. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> that was good. Um, but I, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because if everything really is set up correctly and if it's being monitored and you're having these conversations, no one can convince me you should ever have a claim really longer, aging longer than that. Right. Nothing past 90. Right. And if I owned agency day, I'd say I want nothing past 90 days. That would be my goal. That would be my zero tolerance. No claims past 90 days that has not been paid. Um, now, you also have to be realistic that depending on this, the situation of where the agency is, uh, it may take some time to get there. Yes. But that's that should be the expectation uh, moving forward. And, and the way to accomplish that is to take the scorecard at the end of every month, look at those claims, have conversations about those particular claims. And then from there, you can dive in saying, okay, let's break these down. What's happening with these? Why aren't these claims paying? Why, why is this claim continue to age? What have you done? What, what do you need to do? Uh, where do I need to get involved? Yep. Right. Um, so that, that's really important that, that they, that you do that. And, and we've got some tools that, you know, again, people could call us and we could give them to them because not only do we have that scorecard, but then we also have a, a, a plan and that plan says, okay, what's the problem? So let's say it's a problem with the payer and it's, the denial rate is, is way high. All right. So that's the problem. So from, if that's the problem, what's the solution? Yep. When anytime there's a solution, there's always pros and cons, right? Now there should be hopefully more pros than cons, but there could be some cons, but you, you list those out. And then you come down to saying, okay, what's going to be the return? And then, and then from there is who needs training and what do we need to do as an agency? Mm -hmm. So we've got both those. So if you do the scorecard and then you, you actually complete the business plan, you sit down with them and it's not hard. You're just saying, Hey, what's the problem? What's the solution? Let's talk through it. You're getting your team to, to start thinking more critical, mm -hmm. right? Or analytical. And it's helping them to how, how to rethink this whole process. Cause I really think they become transaction based where they bill yep. and if it doesn't pay, then, you know, they'll get to it because they're so busy, you know, billing out other claims that they don't ever work the aging claims. So it's very common that we see that, uh, you know, around four months is, is they start, start looking at their AR and they're like, wow, we're not getting paid. Yeah. That's don't, piling up over there. Don't wait four months at the end of every month. You need to have a sit down meeting. You need to get the scorecard, map out the business plan, because especially if you're outsourcing it, if, if you are going to create the business plan saying, what's the problem, what's the solution, then you're going to have to work that out with the, the, you know, the company that you're using, what mm -hmm. are you guys going to do? What do we need to do? Right. Yep. Because again, it's a partnership. So 
there are things, and I love, I love, you know, when you talk with customers, when they're telling you, okay, what do we need to be doing? Tell me what my team needs to be doing to make sure that you guys are successful at your job. Yeah. Because that's the mindset everybody has to have. Yep. To uh, have a win-win. Yeah. Just because you're outsourcing doesn't mean that it should be the same as if you're hiring someone internally. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like they're in your back office, like they're part of your team. Right? right. I always tell people, hey, you're putting us on your payroll. So let's talk about the expectations. Let's lay this out. And, and then that way the relationship's good and everybody knows everybody's expectations. So you said something in that that just kind of tripped my trigger. Oh, what'd I say? Um, but sitting down and having a conversation, so much of this can just be situated with a good conversation. Talking to your team about what they're seeing. Communication, we have so many modern ways to miscommunicate. And a lot of times business plans or solutions just aren't followed because there's just not the meaningful conversations happening and then expectations aren't met or there's a miscommunication that can just be solved by sitting down together. That's right. Now, if you're an agency that your mission is predictable revenue, mm-hmm. and of course, that's all we talk about. Dun, dun, dun. Then in that meeting, you're going to have to add in your unbilled. Yes. So you're going to look at your scorecard, which is your aging AR. And then you need to be really looking at your unbilled because, again, that's revenue sitting there. Why is it not getting billed out? What's holding this up? What do we need to do? Maybe it's operationally. Maybe it's uh, clinically. Uh, I don't know. But you got to really look at that and say, why are we not getting these claims out the door? If you want to create predictable revenue and, and right. start changing the way you speak about predictable revenue. Just talk about how do we get predictable revenue? How do, how do we do that? Yep. Talk to your team about that. Drill that in their head for sure. Okay, so we've got, we're doing top five. I think we did five. No, we, we've only done four. Oh, so we did DSO. Yep. We did... Um, denials, the enemy. Denials. And then we talked about the FPAR. Yep. That was number three. Can't believe we forgot about the FPAR. <laughs> and then the last one we said were those like simple claims start, metrics. You know what? When I get mad at you, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call you an FPAR. Oh, yeah? I think, yeah. See I, what happens. Yeah, see if we got to get HR involved in that. Yeah, we will. She'll be on my side. Anyways, yeah. last one was... Kind of, we kind of cheated on that fourth one because we gave the four little things that you need to be tracking. Yeah. But those are simple, yeah. right? Those simple. All of them have to do with claims. You're really just tracking claims. Well, and there's a lot of KPIs, right? We're mm-hmm. just kind of giving a few. They're, We're dumbing it down. Right. There's probably 20 to 25 different KPIs. If you want to measure every single thing, mm-hmm. you can definitely do that. Each agency is going to pick what's really important for them. The DSO is the benchmark overall. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you you know track whatever you need to be tracking based off what you want to improve inside your agency. But, you can't focus on everything. You're not going to improve if you focus on everything. You've got to choose some meaningful KPIs that are going to move your company forward. That's right. Absolutely correct. All right. So what's the fifth one? Well, it's got to be VBP. Yeah. And I know we're really focusing on RCM metrics, but because there's such a dependent relationship on the clinical documentation and it impacts the metrics, we would be amiss if we didn't bring this up. One of the areas is your your uh, your clinical quality matrix. Metrics. Metri- matrix. Metrics. A matrix, like a matrices. Okay. You ever? All right. You took algebra. I, trig. I, that's about as far as I got. All right. Well, anyways, they these are metrics. Put, they started putting letters with numbers. I was like, what is this? Oh my! We're doing slope intercept form with my children right now, and it's bringing me joy. That's right. Okay. Ridiculous. You didn't love a good parabola. So matrix. Is spelled different than matrix. Yes. M-A-T-R-I-X is matrix. Metrix is M-E-T-R-I-C-S. I I don't remember what I said, but I meant to say matrix. Anyways, we're looking at the metrics. Metrics. (laughs) Dead gummit. The things you measure. These are the things you have to measure in order to be good. All right. So let's RCM for dummies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. 
All right, so OASIS measures, right? So you're including discharges? Yes. These are, these are things that are just directly related to your value-based purchasing. Okay. Okay, so go for it. Discharges to the community. Yep, keep going. I like how you're doing it. Improvement of dyspnea. Yeah, I didn't know how to say that word. Oh, improvement of managing your meds. Yes. Total normalized composite change in mobility. Total normalized composite change in self-care. That one, that one seems like that. Uh, and these are coming from your OASIS. Yeah, that's right. Your claims-based measures. So your acute care hospitalization, the percentage of patients admitted to the hospital during that episode of care, uh, lower readmission rates that are going to indicate better care coordination and your improved patient outcomes, reduced hospitalization rates, which is going to suggest effective disease management and other prevention strategies. So all of these things, I mean, I know we're not going to go into huge detail just want to kind of grab some things here to kind of throw out there. And I'm not actually the authority on this for sure. Right. And then HCAPs, of course, measures. So your survey-based measures, your care of patients, your communication between your providers and their families, specific care issues, and then really just kind of the overall rating of your home health care. I think what's important to remember as, you know, big picture thinking, which is kind of where I'm at for this, is delivering high-quality care is key to unlocking your value-based purchasing. When we think about value-based purchasing and how we talk about it in our team as a leadership group, we're looking at, for value-based purchasing, how operationally can you set a focus, right? Because we're headed into uh, 2025, right? Because the first payment adjustments based on 2023 and 2024 performance are going to occur in 2025. So this means, are you agreeing with me? I'm agreeing with okay. you. Okay. This means that the time to focus on these metrics, the time to focus on your quality and your accurate documentation is now. Because if you can master these RCM metrics, then we can navigate 2024 ensuring some financial stability now, and then paving the way for this thriving agency payment in 2025. Right. That's the goal. I mean, I'm, that might be a little fantastical, but yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. So you look at your data utilization for uh, VVP performance. You've got training, training staff to effectively use data mm-hmm. for your value-based purchasing performance is critical. So this includes understanding how to interpret and to apply data to drive quality improvements and to achieve positive outcomes. Then you have the reduction of, of unnecessary costs and hospitalizations. So again, staff should be trained on how to evaluate ways to reduce unnecessary costs and minimize hospitalizations through effective patient care. Now, this may involve implementing strategies, of course, to enhance care coordination and improve patient satisfaction. That's right. Have you ever gotten a hospital bill? Uh, yeah, I have. It's costly to go into the hospital. Yeah. I mean, I remember getting bills from Florida. And I was like, I was never in Florida. What? Yeah. Like a radiation or radiology or something like that bill. You ever got really? those from a different state? That's because that's where they bill from or whatever. But I was like, I don't know. I had to get a rabies shot once when I was on vacation in Florida. So I did get a bill from Florida, but it was legit. But you were in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. No, that- but that's, I mean, just think about the cost of hospitalization. And really when we're seeing reduction in cost through home health, and then we have a patient go back into the hospital at times, right, yep. can be an unnecessary cost. And if you're providing the care, you can help reduce those unnecessary costs yep. and minimize your hospitalizations. So then you got your QAPI. So another acronym, right? QAPI. Q-A-P-I. It's missing a U. Q-A-P-I. 
Well, it stands for Quality Assurance and Performance Improvement Programs. I know. I just hate to see a Q without a U. It's like one of those rules in school. You were like, Q never comes without a U. It's its companion. Okay. Anyways, Quappy. So, yeah. So this is train your staff on the use of agency Quappy programs to boost improvements in weak areas. Um, can have significantly impact your value-based purchasing outcomes. So this involves equi uh, equipping your staff with skills to identify areas of improvement and to implement effective quality improvement initiatives. And then, of course, your value-based training for uh, caregivers. You have to train the people who are giving the care to think. It's almost like my golf swing. I got a hitch. It's like your value-based glasses you got to put on. Yeah, you got to look can, at things. Can you roll your R's? Yes. Oh, oh you can. See. Yeah. That's why I wasn't good in, in Spanish. But did you like my my analogy of the glasses? You got to put on your value-based care glasses so you can see everything through the quappy, like the quality lens of improving patient care so that you can reduce costs and improve outcomes. I feel like we need a cheerleader. Like I think you took an Adderall or something. I did not actually. Coffee. I want you to take a minute okay. because I know how much you love this subject about how health rev partners don't be salesy. Okay. If you can help it. I yep. know it's like your, yeah. that's your lens. No, I got this. How we are working really to support agencies to have regular insights into these metrics well so first we, we we've come to the realization that outsourcing is not for everybody we wish it was but right. it isn't right. and we get that yeah so you know we when we look at managing rcm right it, you know again it's all about the mindset of predictable revenue mm -hmm. but for agencies that don't want to outsource um and they're looking for ways to improve um you know their 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 matrix of their rcm across the board most agencies don't have a way to track the RCM's performance mm -hmm. of their internal staff. So without that matrix, it's really hard, again, for you to get the full picture because you got to really got to understand what can my team accomplish? How much can they do per day? Because there may, there may be a gap there. It, they may need another FTE and they, they're not, they don't realize it. But yeah. So when you're looking at that, you know, that scorecard, and you're seeing a lot of those aging claims you really got to look at it and say, okay, even if you had a plan to fix it, you, you, you also have to look at it and say, do we have the staff? Because maybe that person just doesn't have the time. But without any data around it, it's going to be really hard for you to, to realize that um, if they need help and why do they need help? Because you have no data to say how much can, how much can they accomplish per day? Yeah. What's their productivity? Right, because dreams, I mean, a plan without a way to execute it's just a dream. Well, and every company is looking for ways to automate, but they're also looking for ways to save cost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, salaries and benefits, that's, that's very expensive for companies. And some companies will make a decision to hire someone when they really didn't need to hire somebody. They just needed to hold that one person more accountable. But without data of knowing mm -hmm. how much productivity they can physically do in a day, it's very hard to do that. So in Velocity, we've actually built that. And we built it because we have to be great at managing capacity. Yep. But we built, we built Velocity not only for us to use it internally, but we also wanted to provide a resource to agencies that, because this is complementary to your EMR. So we're not trying to replace your EMR. No. So it has nothing to do with whatever EMR you're on. But the EMRs don't have the da data that you need, data or data. I don't know how, I, we're not getting that conversation again. But of, okay, but what can they do? Right. And so that, that's going to be an important piece. Um, 
when you're looking and saying, okay, if we, we want to keep it in house, what are you, what are you using to track your RCM team's performance? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have a solution for that. If someone's interested in that, as you, as you know, it's coming out in April, which yeah. we're super excited about. Um, because we do see a massive need for this because we've talked to a lot of agencies out there that, Hey, they're not looking to outsource, but there is a gap. They have no way to manage capacity for their internal reviewers and they have no way to manage capacity for the RCM team. And they have no analytics around, um, you know, their performance. So it becomes very challenging to say, okay, do we need a body or not need a body? But in a time when you're trying to increase revenue, you're trying to save dollars, wherever you save dollars, you've got to have a way to track performance. Right. Okay, so I want to get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of what it does, because I'll tell you how I think about Velocity. It is like, well, you mentioned that it doesn't matter which EHR, EMR, it's EMR agnostic. So you could set it on top. It's a tech stack on top of any EHR, but it is like the central nervous system for what's going on within your agency, right? It gives you those firing thoughts, the metrics to make the decisions, and so we're talking about two sides of it. Yes. I, listen, I was accusing you of getting really salesy. Yeah. And I now do. I'm just going to lay it all out there. But so you've got the coding and review side. And then you've got the whole revenue cycle management side. So really two separate dashboards, two separate ways to measure all of these things that you need to know internally. Right. We use this internally. And then it came to our attention. Why can't agencies have the same ability to use this themselves. That's right. So on the RCM side of, of velocity, there's really two key things you look at. Number one is going to be your dashboards because it's going to have your submitted claims, your build plan, your build amount, your payments. It's going to calculate your DSO automatically for you, which yep. is uh, that piece that you're really by need. payer by payer. Uh, it's going to look at your adjustment types, your payer types, your claims by status, mm-hmm. your aging claims pending. It's even going to give you reasons for non-payment. So we talked about how important really monitoring your non-payments. What's those reasons? Where are they coming from? Our dashboard does that. And then it also looks at your top five payers that are potentially causing bottlenecks in your receivables. Mm-hmm. So those dashboards you can look at just by drinking a cup of coffee. We say it all the time. Now, the flip side to Velocity is then it can also look at your your RCM team's performance. Yep. And I have not seen anywhere where anybody's tracking every single claim from every single bucket. And what I mean by that is every time I have a conversation, and you think about this, if I'm an RCM person and I'm billing every day, uh, and if you're outsourcing and you're using a company, chances are that RCM person is also billing for other companies. So naturally, the question comes to me is, all right, number one, how much time are they spending on my account? Right. Mm-hmm. That's the first question. Number two is, how do they know what claims to work and when? So we created the RCM performance, which what it does is it takes your claims and it puts it in every bracket or every aging bracket that's, that exists, it shows you the number of claims that are in that bracket, and then it shows you the number of claims that have been worked by either your internal team or the external team in for those claims. Outternal. Outternal team. You like that. For those specific claims. So in other words, we have a theory of no claim gets left behind. Yes. Which means that we are tracking 100% of all claims that are in your aging AR at all times. 
And because of that, we have seen a reduction in people's receivables by 30%, which is fantastic. Right. So it's so fantastic that I think agencies need this if they're not outsourcing. Yeah. Because it is a complete accountability um, uh, platform that that your RCM team now has to be, I mean, they can't hide from what they're doing day in and day out, right? Right. Also tracks their activity, shows how many claims they can bill out, how many claims they can post, how many aging claims they've worked. It, so it's accountability for where are they spending all of their time. And, and, and the reason why we built this, for well, several reasons, but one is because we live in a remote world now, right? We got people all over the place and agencies are the same way. And yeah. it, But the platform, here's the, the thing that's always missing from this, is if you have this platform, Hannah, here's my sales pitch. All right. You can hire an RCM person from anywhere. Yep. Because now you can see their activity in real time. So you think about recruiting, depending on where you live, you may live in a rural area or maybe a smaller area and you're trouble you're having trouble getting the right team in place uh, because you need someone close. Yep. Now this this takes your reach a lot further and you can find the best RCM person no matter what state they're in because now you can track all their activity from the convenience of your living room. Right. Because Velocity actually lays out really clear workflows so that there's no mystification between you and them. That's right. You have insight into what they're doing. So it not only does it give you the ability to have a vast talent pool to choose from, because you can have insight from anywhere, you've also got a clear vision from documentation to the submission process so it's a clear journey to predictable revenue. That's right. Then on the coding side, the coding side tracks everything, right? Mm -hmm. So every single chart that's submitted, that if your team internally is reviewing it, um, whatever change they're making to that chart, it's, it's identifying where that change is coming from, the impact of that change, yep. right? So did it impact uh, P PD PDGM? Uh, the effect outcomes, whatever it is, right? It tracks right. it um, and it drills it all the way down to each specific clinician. So you go back to the quality of care, right? We're talking about that as well. And that does have a massive impact, right? Yes. Because not everything is about reimbursement. I mean, it's, you got to have a great brand out there, right? right? So you got to, you got to, got to provide ex ex exceptionally great care. How do you do that as an agency? If you have no idea where the changes are coming from, and from what clinician that's out in the field. Right. So and then you, what that impacts. That's right. So how do you improve that performance if you don't have the data to say, okay, Eddie needs some help with, in these particular areas. Um, and so again, that's going to track that from a clinician standpoint. From a reviewer standpoint, if you have internal reviewers, it's tracking in real time how long it's taking them to review a chart. Mm -hmm. And it timestamps when they start and when they stop. So you now know the gap between... You know, maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's 45 minutes between the, before they get on the next, next chart. Well, that's a productivity. Right. But if you don't have a way to track that, then again, you may be thinking we need to hire another reviewer when no, you've got two reviewers that basically are not getting the job done. Right. Or maybe you've got one that's super efficient and dragging the other one along. And if you just had some decent proficiency out of both of them, you'd be in a different spot. I mean, so, so from that perspective, it also gives you the ability to use these things for performance reviews. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it can be used a thousand different ways. Yeah. It, it's just, it's a tool that again, we saw was a big gap in the market. Um, I never used to be analytical. Now I'm super analytical, which I don't understand how we got there, but we're here. 
And so when I look at what dashboards really matter, we're looking at dashboards for agencies that can improve performance across the board, as well as track all your productivity because you've got to staff correctly and you definitely don't want to overstaff. And it's another way to evaluate people against each other. So, I mean, there's just so many things. I'm super stoked. It's coming out. Stoked. Um, I can't wait to get the information out. And again, this is not to be salesy, but it is to tell people that now something exists that can really help you take your agency. When you look at your tech stack, Mm -hmm. right? I think this has to be part of your tech stack. Yeah. If you want to run the most well-efficient agency known to man, this is a, this is a critical piece because it's going to, it's going to radically change your, your, your documentation out in the field. Uh, and it's definitely going to allow you to really monitor and manage performance across the board. Yep. And I think if we had anything that we could say, it would make us so happy if from this podcast, you could do this. It's put these metrics into action. Let us help you do that. Let somebody help you do that. Do that within your agency. Um, but remember that while we say knowledge is power, having these metrics gives you the power. Wisdom is what you do with them. And so your data can really be your roadmap to success. We've got to keep tracking, keep analyzing, keep thriving within your agency. That's how we're going to continue as an industry to create organizations that offer the best care. Yeah. So I want, you know, when we close this up, I want to make sure that we provide in the link or whatever. I'd like the scorecard to be in there. Um, I want to add okay. in all the KPIs. There, there's, there's a lot. Um, but, you know, just to give people an idea of what to choose from. Because you talk about KPIs all the time and some people are like, well, what, what should I really What KPIs should be tracked? Yeah. So we're going to give you a full list of that. And then I also want to include the, uh, the business plan. Because I want to mm. give, I want to give, if people want to make a massive change in their agency, I want to give them the tools to be able to do that. Because they don't, again, if you don't need outsource, don't outsource. I mean, if you can fix it internally, fix it internally. Um, it all depends on, you know, your business plan of where you want to take the agency and, and does it make sense to outsource or not? Um, but if it doesn't, I want to give everybody the tools to say, okay, let me take this and, and use it and see how this can impact the agency. Yeah. And there's so much technology out there that can impact. I think that's a whole nother podcast we could do on technology and maybe we will. Yeah, I'm um, sure we will. Y- you can't manage efficiently anymore without, without technology in this world. So, yeah. well, I hope everybody enjoyed. I hope this was helpful for our listeners because I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Did you? I, I mean, I always I enjoy. It was great. I always enjoy listening to myself. <laughs> Don't I know it? I think I'm a great speaker. I'm a great. Yeah. Okay. No, we do hope this is beneficial. Um, we're gonna, we have a huge lineup this year of you know guests that we're going to have on. We we've, we've got some great new partnerships that we're going to have come on to really explain how their their solution. Uh, really helps agencies solve problems. We have Invoke right. coming up. I'm really excited about the Invoke. Um, yeah, me too. And podcast. even if you don't use a solution that's offered, it gets you thinking about different ways to problem solve. I mean, I love talking to the people in this industry about how they're attacking some of these things because you start thinking like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I want to though, the, the, yes, all that is good. I still <laughs> want to, well, no, it really is good. But I, I do want to caution agencies out there that, it's kind of like your, I say this all the time, it's kind of like your home, right? You could have a different doorbell and a different alarm system and yeah. a different this and a different that. Next thing you know, you don't have anything really integrated, but you have a lot of things that you feel like you're just paying for. Yeah. And I don't want agencies to do that either because I feel like you can go in 
and everybody's trying to pitch you a solution to, you know, what you have, but it, you, you really need to look at what solutions are out there that, that kind of combine together, um, you know, either within partnerships or whatever the case is to where you're actually, ha- you're completing the puzzle. You're just not adding a lot of pieces to a puzzle not completed. Right. That no, that's sense? a good, that's a really good point. You have to do what works best for you and put those pieces together in a way that's logical and um, really causes your agency to flow optimally. Yeah. So let's put the matrix into action. Remember, knowledge is power. We talk about it all the time and data is your roadmap to success. So keep tracking, keep analyzing and keep thriving. Yes. With all that, right. Until next time. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye. Bye.